Welcome to the Pusher Pivot Podcast, a podcast that inspires you to trust yourself in the crossroads of life. I'm your host, Thea Charles. As a life coach, I know that when you put fear aside and trust yourself, you'll know when to push through adversity and when to stop, reassess, and pivot. I believe magic happens whenever a pusher pivot story is shared. And that magic is exactly what you'll find here. Welcome everyone to season two of the Push or Pivot podcast. Season two. Wow. It's like amazing to me to even say season two when we started this journey back in February of 2020. I had no idea what to expect, you know. I had this idea of a podcast and I thought, let's do it. And we went through a long season one, 57 episodes, 57 different interviews of amazing people telling their story and inspiring others along the way. We talked about their crossroads. Crossroads to me are, you know, the times in your life when you have a decision. Are you going to continue going the way you've been or are you going to stop? reassess and pivot. I would say the theme for season one, if I could choose one word, would be becoming. Everyone who came on talked about how they became the person that they are today, how they went through amazing challenges and realized that all they had to do was trust in their intuition and that they could see their way through. I'm so thankful for all the people that came on. We met so many incredible people, so many incredible stories, and I just want to thank everyone for being on. We learned about Tiffany Johnson and how her life-changing events from before, after, and during the great Swiss canyoning accident in 1999 and how she became the person that she is today. We heard from Dana Joy talking about how she realized that she was a multi-passionate person. So many stories of becoming the person you are. And this season, you know, this season will be more of that, of course, but there's a different theme. This season, the theme is kind of like being seen. I don't have a single word for it. It's like being seen, being heard. So with that being said, it hasn't been lost on me that I haven't shared that much about myself. Sure, you might have learned some things about me through the interview process and listening in on these conversations, and I've shared bits and pieces here and there, but I haven't told you my own Porsche Pivot story of how I became the podcaster that I am and what led to that decision in February to even start the show. So let's go back. I went to school to Providence College for biology with the plans of most biology majors to become a doctor. That was the path I was on since I was in high school. Going to go to school, go to school for biology, become a doctor. And towards the end of my four years, when it was time to start planning for medical school, something didn't feel quite right. It just, I wasn't sure whose dream it was. My parents weren't necessarily pushing me in that direction. I did that to myself. And I thought, you know, I don't really feel the same passion that other people are feeling. I'm not sure if I want to, to go through that. I'm going to take a break. And when I think back, that was my first pivot point. 
where I decided, you know what, I'm going to go on a slightly different path. And it wasn't necessarily to not go to medical school. I decided to take a break and I was going to go directly to work. And in doing so, I got a job at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston in their tissue typing lab. So what is tissue typing? Tissue typing is also known as histocompatibility. (laughs) That's a mouthful. Basically, what we did is we matched recipients and donors for organ transplants and for stem cell transplants. It was incredible. I didn't realize that coming right out of school, I could have a job that was so, it was just everything. It was, it was so much responsibility. It felt important. I was learning so much and I felt like it was a great place for me to grow. And I realized I kind of like the lab too. So I became a histocompatibility specialist. I worked in the lab for eight Oh, eight and a half years. For eight and a half years, it was much longer than that one year break that I thought I was going to have. I had grown a lot. I'd grown a lot within the laboratory. I wasn't doing exactly the same things when I came in. I was an on-call technologist. I trained new people that were coming in. I had more responsibility. I also became an adult. I got married and I had my first child. And then I decided that I was feeling a little, a little closed off. I didn't know where else. I felt like there was more. And I didn't feel like I was growing the way I needed to. So I took a leap and I left. I left and I went to another lab that was also working in histocompatibility at the Red Cross. And I worked there for a year. I trained new technologists. I brought in new machinery. Uh, new technologies, and it was great, great for a year. And then another opportunity opened up for me. The Red Cross was going through some changes, and so was the Brigham. And the Brigham hired me back, but this time not as a technologist. I came back in a new role that was created. It was called the Compliance Officer, and there I was in charge of regulatory compliance training technologists, having training plans, being the liaison between the lab and regulatory agencies, writing SOPs. And while that sounds pretty dry, I loved it. It really worked on the part of my brain that's very analytical. I was good at seeing a big picture and breaking it down and making steps easy. I was really good at efficiency. And it was just a really great fit for me. But it was a lot. It was a lot. And our commutes were a lot. My husband was also doing well at work. Now at this point, we had two children and daycare cost a lot of money. And we had jobs that we couldn't, we couldn't just pick up a second job. um, Because we felt like we needed, we had just enough at the end of the month. We felt like we needed a little bit more to have a decent savings, go on vacation to just feel like you could breathe a little bit. And I had this crazy idea to open up a boutique, a clothing boutique, while still working as a compliance officer. And, you know, it was scary, but, you know, we had this mindset that if we were going to do this, we weren't going to plan for a plan B if it fails. We were going straight on with the, with the knowledge that we could do well and that it was going to be a lot of hard work and dedication and it was going to take a lot of time. And When we start, we're not going to be hitting it out of the park. It was going to be a slow climb. 
And with those expectations in mind, we opened up the boutique. And it was all those things. It was a lot of work. It was um, a lot of dedication and time and a slow growth. But when the growth started, it started going big. And while my boutique was mostly online, I did have in-person customers. And it was a different kind of feel because it would be just me and the customer on an appointment. You could come and try on the clothing. And I started noticing a pattern pattern that people were coming for clothes or so they said, but really they were coming to talk to me. And my style of sales was not traditional. I was not good at upselling. I never really tried upselling anyone, which probably is a detriment to business, but it just wasn't my style. I didn't want anyone to ever look in their closet and see clothes hanging there and think, Thea tricked me into buying those. So it was really important to me that people liked what they bought and that they felt good in it. So when someone would come out of a dressing room and say, Thea, what do you think? I always pushed it back on them and said, well, tell me how do you feel when you look in the mirror? And that was the determination on how people bought things. I remember someone coming in and wanting one of my more expensive items. It was a dress that had pockets. Pockets, obviously, everyone wants a dress with pockets. And she tried it on and she wanted to love it. And I could just see on her face that it wasn't quite doing it for her. She's like, I really like it. I'm probably going to get it. And I was like, okay, I want to try this dress. And it was a cheaper dress without the pockets. But when she came out and looked at herself, she twirled. And I said to her, well, how do you feel? And she said, I really wanted to like the pockets, but I feel so good in this. And that was something that I let people know all the time. Like it's, it's about your feeling. When someone would come in and say, oh, I want the same shirt that so-and-so had. You're like, it's probably not the shirt you're going for. It's that feeling that that person is showing you, the feeling of feeling confident. As the business got better and the kids got older and my oldest went into elementary school, it was hard to keep up basically two full-time jobs. The boutique went from part-time to full-time and I felt as if my time at the hospital was coming to an end. I felt like I had done so much there. There was so much change. I was really there for cultural change, and I felt like it happened. I felt like mission accomplished, and I felt good about saying goodbye to that, like finally closing the door and working full-time on my business. So that would be pivot two, two and a half. I'm not sure. It was so scary to let go of that safety net of having a traditional job for this untraditional work for yourself clothing business. And when I let go, I I got I got very obsessed in the clothing business. I felt like this business is going well, but now it's the only thing I'm doing and it should be even better. And I was pushing and pushing myself and actually giving myself less free time, less time to reset than I did when I had the two jobs. And I started to recognize that when the kids didn't know if I wasn't working, I was always working. So I hired a business coach. And the person that I hired was a business life coach. And I was like, all right. You know, I had heard about life coaching when I read Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass book. And in her book, especially the one about You Are a Badass Making Money, she would always mention something about get a coach. And I was like, I don't know what this means. I didn't know what it meant. I had looked But then this person came to me um, through a mutual friend and I read her website and 
I talked with her on a discovery call and I was like, yeah, this is, this is the kind of coaching that I want. I want someone to help me to figure out how to do my business my way, to continue doing it my way and not feeling like I have to do, like work has to be hard. And in talking with her and working with her, I started to realize something about life coaching. Life coaching is the glue that came through all the jobs that I had in the past. You know, when I was working as a compliance officer, I was using I was using my listening skills, my active listening skills in order to come up with plans that would work for everyone. I did some mentoring while I was while I was a compliance officer to technologists that came in and you know, even in a root cause analysis, there's some coaching in there. I also used that when I was working at the Red Cross and when I was a technologist at the Brigham. These were skills that I use over and over again. And I realized they were the parts of my jobs that I enjoyed the most. Helping someone feel confident when they put on clothes, helping someone just felt, I just felt like me and it felt like it came so naturally. Have you been inspired by the stories shared on the push or pivot, but feeling a little stuck at your own crossroads? If only there were a guide to get unstuck. Well, I've made one just for you. Six steps to help you recognize what is keeping you stuck and push you out of your rut. You can access it for free on my website, theorenell.com slash rut. That's T-H-E-A-R-E-N-E-L dot com slash R-U-T. And as I thought of this and thought, well, how do I learn how to be a life coach? I learned about Inner Glow Circle, which is where I got my life initial life coaching certification. And when I found it, I had said to my husband, Al, I was like, I don't know. I think this is where I want to go. Maybe there'll be a sign. And as I said it, I got an email popped up saying, we have scholarships for the first time we're doing scholarships. And I said to myself, well, that's my scholarship. The door just opened. And I applied and was lucky enough to get the scholarship and really grew as a coach. I, it wasn't so much that I was learning new skills. I was learning how to use those skills with purpose. And through there, I started coaching people, mainly women, on confidence. A lot of these women were doing job changes like I had. They were looking to do things in their own way. And it was just amazing to watch these transformations. I also became a trainer for Inner Glow Circle and training other people in coaching and also a mentor coach helping coaches who are going through their certifications. I ended up getting a certification through the International Coaching Federation, a PCC, Professional Coach Certification. And that process was pretty validating in and of itself when the ICF asked to hold on to my recorded call because it was a great example of good coaching. And when I think of coaching, I think it's It's a great transformative moment. It's something where you're working in partnership with your client, letting your client kind of lead the way and guide them and hold them accountable, teach them how to hold themselves accountable, and, you know, be that person to see the bigger picture and help them break it down. Often when people say, I don't know why I would ever need a life coach, 
<laughs> like, well, you know, Michael Jordan probably didn't need a coach for basketball. But there's something about being the observer, the coach on the side that can see things that you can't see about yourself. They might know that you should stand a certain way when shooting the basket. I don't know anything about basketball, but I do know something about seeing a big picture, being able to simplify what someone says and just tell it back to them so they can hear their own words. And that can be a transformative moment. And through that, I know we want to get to why did I start podcasting? Through that, I just thought so many times people talk about, and then I learned to trust myself. And then I saw someone else. And then I read a book. And then I heard a story. And these are the stories that I just love to hear. You know, we often talk about women can excel when they see other women doing things. Like if you see another woman in the boardroom, you know that there's a seat for you. When minorities have a chance and opportunity and it inspires other minorities. I think that whenever we see ourselves in someone else's story or can relate to them and see something for ourselves, that we can be inspired to know that we can get through whatever it is that we're going through too. It also shows sometimes when you see people or you see social media, or you see, you see a person that you look up to, you think they just, it just came to them. But there's usually a lot of different transformations on the journey to where they're going, different pushes and pivots that shape you to the person you are today. And with that, I decided to make this podcast. It actually came to me when Remember, there were hurricanes in the Bahamas, and there was a story on the radio about a football player turned doctor who went back to his home in the Bahamas to help people. And I thought, what an incredible journey he must have been on. That went from sports to medicine to relief and all the way back. And, you know, I just think that stories like that are inspiring and to let you know that you're always evolving. Even if you're in your dream job now, and if you look back, you've grown from where you've started. Maybe you've gone in a slightly different direction. Maybe you're still in the same thing, but you've grown as a person. The way the processes and the way you think may have changed. And, you know, everyone's on a journey. And I just want to show journeys through this podcast. And this was mine. So as we go on to season two, there's so many incredible people that will be on. And I know that someone will be touched in some way through their stories. And I hope that person is you. Thank you for listening to the Push or Pivot podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button and please leave us a review. To learn more about this show and to access the show notes, visit our website, pushorpivot.com. I'd also love to hear from you. Share your thoughts and takeaways with me on Instagram at pushorpivot. Thank you for listening and join me next time on the Push or Pivot podcast.